and welcome to another episode of Gamerheads. My name is Roger, aka Rogue Leader76, and with me, as always, are my co-host Blue, aka Rider's View, and my other co-host Mike, aka Pezman Mike, and we have a very special guest. We have Christian joining us this this week. Yeah, aka Fulgan. Welcome, welcome, welcome all. We have a lot to discuss this week. We have a hot topic. We talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, how our video game reviews uh, propaganda. Uh, so we'll go into that. We also have some game news and your listener feedback. Oh, and then we also have uh, a uh, giveaway for Hive Jump. So uh, we'll be doing that uh, in the episode today. But first, before we get into all of that, I do have a hot topic. Our hot topic, I have an icebreaker for us. And the icebreaker is... <laughs> What is one weird quirk about yourself that you're willing to share with our listeners? Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. Honestly. Uh. <laughs> you go first, Roger. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you want... Actually, I was thinking, Mike, do you want to start us off? Can you start us off with this? <laughs> I hate fruit. You Do you what? really? I can't stand fruit. Really? Oh, yeah. Mm. No I... fruit whatsoever. No fruit whatsoever. Well, okay, let me take that back. Uh, I can have an apple every once in a while, but other than that, I I avoid fruit like the plague. Um, I don't know what it was. Like something, I don't know if something happened when I was a kid or something like that. But to me, it's just the consistency and the texture of fruit. It seriously makes me like throw up. Like if somebody's like eating like uh, like a melon or a grape what? or something, I, I I seriously I gotta like I gotta turn the other way. Because <laughs> fruits have different textures yeah yeah no i just can't do it keep that wow. fruit away from me what about wow. like a in a pie or something like that uh is pumpkin a fruit technically uh, technically yeah <laughs> then that's my only that's the only one i'll have <laughs> what about what about do you do you like what about i know it's not a fruit but would you eat like rhubarb pie would you eat that uh i don't uh i've never had rhubarb before what i'm willing to get I've also never had like raw meat at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can understand why you might not have had steak tartare. However, <laughs> rhubarb's rhubarb. not very good. I'm gonna give what? Mike permission on this one. What? All right, thank you. It's not. It's so sour and bitter. You have to put so much sugar in there to make well, it. Well, that's true. That is true. That I, yeah, that is also true. it's poisonous. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> well, the, what, you're trying to the kill leaves. me, Roger? No, no. Just oh no. If you only eat it at a certain time, it's poisonous. But if you let it grow normally, it's not poisonous. Then it's fine. Well, I don't need to take that chance. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so that, I don't know. Just something about fruit. It just like it just causes me to like get like ill. Really? So mm, yeah. so do you not have like apples and oranges and stuff like that in your house? Uh well for the for my wife and son, yeah. They, <laughs> they that's why I'm hanging out in the basement so much. <laughs> Those weirdos eating fruit. Look at them. Cowering in the corner like, just like <laughs> hunched over like Gollum eating their fruit. <laughs> my precious. <laughs> So yeah, so no, that's that's and whenever I tell people that, they're like, "What? What is wrong with you?" I'm like, "Nothing. What's wrong with you?" Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, well, I'll go next then. Um, so to give Blue and Christian some time to think about it, 
Uh, so <laughs> I mentioned this already earlier on the podcast, like really, really long time ago, but I'll mention it again because I know that we've got new listeners and this is the, uh, the icebreaker this week. So I have a weird, uh, quirk about myself that if a song comes on the radio, so not like if I'm listening it to, on a CD or, or I guess like, cause I still have CD players in my car, um, but if it just comes on the radio, I have to listen to the end of it. So if it starts, I have to listen to the whole song. And uh, so that's why, like, at the end of a song that I like, like, I quickly change the channels <laughs> in fear that there might be a song that I don't like. And then I feel like I have to listen to the whole song. And it's well, weird. Okay, so if the Macarena comes on the radio yeah. <laughs> no, and no. you hear it, you are bound by obligation to listen to the whole thing. You won't change it no matter how terrible the song. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, only <laughs> only if it, <laughs> only if it started off, only if it started off uh the song that way. But I mean, so if only the song started off. I if I switch the channels and it was the middle of the song, I don't have a problem. I can change it. But if it was like the beginning of the song, there <laughs> I don't so it started off like, mm-hmm. as a challenge to myself to see if I could, like, change, I don't know, like, change a song or something. I don't remember what it was. But then it turned out to be, like, a superstition. Like, oh, if I don't listen to the whole song, I'm going to have a bad day. That's, like, jinxing myself. It's really <laughs> weird. I don't know what is wrong with me. but No, that... that's totally normal. That's, <laughs> you shouldn't be ashamed of that at all. <laughs> I know. I know it's weird, and then I also still have a fear of you know zombie water, but that's you know that's that's actually a new <laughs> a new fear. So although I want although... you to I want you to take that as a legit concern in front of like your uh, like community board or something. No, but blue it it is a concern. I actually after that episode, I looked it up, and people are really concerned about uh, water being contaminated by by cemeteries so there is zoning regulations that cemeteries have to be built like so many you know feet away from from like water where like the fresh water uh is and stuff like that so that is a concern it really is a concern it's not but wouldn't that just add nutrients to the water no no (laughs) disgusting no theoretically no gross come on i mean delicious a squirrel drops dead. It's going to drop dead where it's going to drop dead, you know. Oh, son of a... Now you got me worried about dead animals. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yum. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I don't have... Why? I don't know why, but I'm not grossed out as much of dead animals as I am of, like, dead people. Well, dead animals probably won't give you prions disease. What? <laughs> That's the disease you get if you eat people. Oh. Like a neurological disease oh is it kind of like mad cow yeah kind of oh disgusting okay now really i'm worried (laughs) (laughs) and once again the game arts podcast takes a turn yeah okay (laughs) for the word we should get off of zombie water for everybody turns us off what about you blue what is your strangest weirdest quirk that you're willing to share you don't have to share like the weirdest one if you're not willing to share one but if you have like one that's kind of one that you're willing to share i I don't know. I, I don't know about if it's that weird, but I guess the only one that's coming to mind is like how if I eat a ice cream that's on a little wooden stick. I don't eat the ice cream that's actually on the stick. I just leave it. Uh, what? I, I don't want it, the wood to touch my tongue. It's gross. Oh. Is that like a texture thing or yes, what? Yes, I hate oh. it. 
That's such a waste of ice cream. So well, I'll eat it as close as I can. But if it's touching the wood, then sorry. <laughs> I'm just reminded now of the WWF ice cream bars. Oh, yeah. Those were good. Now I want one. Yeah. <laughs> or the, so, like, the Sonic the Hedgehog one where he just looks like he got punched several times in the face. <laughs> it's Sanic. They're Sanic, Sanic bars. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so, so like popsicles too, like you won't eat like, yeah. Or do you remember being in kindergarten and they would pass out those little oh, tubs yes. of like, oh the, yeah, the cups. Yeah. The, the orange and vanilla ice cream and it came with a wooden spoon. Yes. I would try to eat it with my finger. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course the teacher's like, what are you doing? I was like, my, I don't like the spoon. I'm not. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Blue. What about you, Christian? What about what's a strange quirk about you that uh, you're willing to share? Yeah, I guess I have one that's video game related that I recognize a lot because I end up playing a lot, which is like a quirk that I think I developed about five or so years ago when I first played through the original Dark Souls game. And um, I, ever after you beat a boss, there's like this moment where it says like you win or whatever and then you're getting all the souls and then the thing crumbles so you got this moment to just relish in your victory and so i i started like doing a couple of like chest bumps with my fist (laughs) (laughs) and so like ever since then i found myself like whenever i fight a big boss i've noticed this in game design they give you a little moment to just celebrate your victory and now i find myself just chest bumping all the time with my fist and I think oh. th- there was one time a couple months ago where I, I defeated a boss and my girlfriend walked by and I just did, you know, it's like clockwork. I do the chest bump and then she looked at me really funny. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sorry, I need to stop doing that. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because when we were playing Smash on Friday, I think I beat, yeah, I beat Dracula in the classic mode. And you yeah. know what you did? What? You you chest bumped uh, yep. yourself. Yeah, yep. you chest yep. bumped for him. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh. oh my gosh, <laughs> this is embarrassing. Well, it's not nearly as weird as having to listen to the whole song. I guess so. What? What? Is there a song? What are you talking about? I'm talking oh, about you, Roger. Yeah, you're weird. Have to listen to the whole song. Oh, oh life. yeah, yeah. No, that's pretty weird. That is pretty weird. But yeah. I thought you meant there's a chest pump song, and I was like, what? Is this song <laughs> if there was, you would have to listen to the whole thing. Yep. If it came on the radio, <laughs> I would have to listen to the whole thing. That is true. That is true. Uh, do I dare ask listeners if you have a strange or weird quirk that you're willing to share? <laughs> you can send us a tweet at GamerHeadsPC. Uh, you can also send an email at info at GamerHeadsPodcast.com uh, or you can also go online at GamerHeadsPodcast.com as well. Uh, all right, let's move on to the news then. I have a couple items here uh, for the news. Uh, the first one is from Polygon, and the news is that GameStop cancels Kingdom Heart 3 Special Edition PS4 pre-orders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This uh, is such a dumpster fire. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I know. I know, right? I, I would lose my mind. Are you kidding me? And the best part right, is... Christian, right? Yeah. Yeah, probably. That would suck if that was the only special edition pre-order you had. Yep. And now Yikes. you just don't get one. Well, and yeah. they were limited, too, right? Weren't they, mm-hmm. like, limited yep. run of this, right? So... Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so they stated that due to an error, they oversold the pre-orders for a number of consoles that they had, and they had to cancel some of those pre-orders. For those that were canceled, 
those customers will receive a $25 gift card from GameStop. <laughs> Woo, $25. <laughs> well, so here's my question. If it, if it all is, is just a Kingdom Hearts skin, why aren't they just increasing production and just delaying some of them instead yeah. of just canceling them right out? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I know that Square Enix has had problems with scarcity in the past with some of their games, like Nier Automata, the physical edition for that was really hard to come by, and Octopath Traveler, the physical edition of that also has been really hard to come by. So I guess it's a Square Enix publisher thing. I'd assume they gave them like a quota, and they're like, hey, this is how much we're giving you, and then they were like, oops, we let, we let them buy too many. Here's a $25 gift card. Buy more yeah. stuff from us, please. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely been brought up once or twice where people saying because of GameStop's notorious quotas that they put on their salespeople, they're saying you did this on purpose yeah. just to meet your quotas, knowing you weren't going to be able to, to actually fulfill the orders. Well, and then to give them $25 as a consolation prize? like that's... Yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> oh, no, right? <laughs> Here's $25, they might be able to get you, like, half a game. Yep. Yeah, so it's like inviting them back to spend more money. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yep, that's exactly what it is. I mean, I I think that there should have been enough to cover Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But... And then you hear, like, people saying how they sold their consoles that they already have in order to get the money <laughs> for oh. these this special edition, and now they're yeah. not going to get one. Well, that's shame on them for selling something they don't have in their in their hands. So, what? I mean, <laughs> shame what? on the people. Well, shame on shame on them for pre-ordering it and then try to upsell it. Like, no, 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 no. She means that they're they're trading in their old PS4s in oh, order to get this one. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying that they went online and they were trying to oh, turn around resell. profit. Yeah, resell yeah. their their. No, no, no. Oh, that's really awful. Oh my gosh, that's really awful. <laughs> there it is. There. <laughs> that, that's the reaction I was looking there for. There it is. <laughs> I mean, because like, people were doing that with, um, there was something, I don't remember what it was, but they would go, oh, the NES Classics. They were going and buying them ahead of time and then going on like eBay or other places and selling them. Uh, before they even had the, this, the, the Classic in their hand, they were mm-hmm. selling them for a higher price. And I know that a lot of those people got burnt because they never got the classics. But then I was like, well, shame on them for, you know, trying to turn up. Not that, I mean, not the same against people trying to turn a profit, but come on. Like, that's, you don't have the product in hand. You What they were showing was like, here's my receipt that I have it. Um, but yeah. but those the people that were trading in their PS4s to get the new one, that is, that is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Oh, now they have to go buy the. Oh my God, I would, I would be livid if I See? was. See, lose oh your mind. Gosh. That's what yeah. I was saying. I would yeah. lose my mind. <laughs> wow. Uh, the next one here is from Nintendo Wire. Um, Blue, do you want to read this next one? Yeah. Um, this is very sad for all of us, perhaps, but Metroid Prime Four development has been scrapped and then restarted with Retro Studios at the home. Yeah. <laughs> They were saying that development wasn't up to Nintendo standards, so they had to restart the whole project. Yeah. That's, uh, that is sad, but. <laughs> I mean, it's sad in the short term and hopefully good in the long term. Though yeah. definitely people are going to be expecting a lot more from the game now when it finally does come out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I guess, I mean, 
you know, I remember hearing this story and I didn't realize that there's that Metroid Prime 4 was supposed to come out this year. I thought that, I mean, I know that they announced it at E3 last year, I think it was, but I didn't realize that they gave it like a 2019 date. So I guess I wasn't all that shocked. I was more shocked that there was a 2019 date out there, but um, I'm happy to see that they're giving it to Retro Studios because I remember when they first announced it and it wasn't clear that they were giving it to Retro Studios. So it seemed like they didn't want us to know that the sequel wasn't going to be developed by the same studio that made Metroid Prime 1, 2, and 3. And I think some rumors saying it was being developed by like Bandai Namco or something like that. And like that made me kind of lose some confidence in the project because Retro Studios, they have like pretty much as close as you can get to a flawless record. They've made the first three Metroid Primes, which are um, by most accounts fantastic. And they've also made Donkey Kong Country Returns and Returns Tropical Freeze, which are my two favorite Donkey Kong Country games. So they know they know how to make games. It's just going to take a long time for them to finish it, I assume. Yeah. So do, do we know who what studio had it before turned over to Retro Studios? I would have to look that up. I'm not certain. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, the, the article made it sound like it was with somebody else, and now it's given to Retro Studios. So, mm-hmm. um, But they didn't name who, who had it before, so I don't know. Uh, the next one is from Loot Gaming. Uh, Christian, you want to read this? Sure. The UK government wants to hear from you. Is gaming harmful or helpful to society? Yeah. So the House of Commons created a committee to find if video games are harmful or hurtful to our society. Apparently, the decision stems from the fact that the World Health Organization has stated that there is a category for gaming addiction disorder, which I believe we talked about on this podcast before. Yeah. So this is an interesting, interesting topic. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go through? <laughs> do you see? Want to read some of those questions that that they're asking? Sure. <laughs> do you think gaming is helpful to society? Helpful or, 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 harmful. or harmful? Yeah. Do you want to keep going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want me to go one yeah, after yeah, the just, other? Yeah. Sure. Just read them all. It's fine. How does the design of a game keep you playing for longer? What help is needed for people who are concerned about the amount they are gaming? What responsibilities do game designers have to their players? Are young people disproportionately affected by the addictive qualities of games and apps? And what makes the UK a world leader in gaming and VR slash AR? And how can the industry be supported? Yeah, it's so weird, right? Yeah, that's my favorite question. Because up until then, they're framing the questions as if that gaming is bad. Yeah. And then it's like... How? What makes the UK the best? Not is the UK the best, but what makes the UK the best? <laughs> yeah, that exactly. is funny. I think it reminds me very much of like the the questions that we get uh, here in Wisconsin's. Like, oh, Wisconsin's the worst at binge drinking. What makes us the best beer makers in the state? <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> Are you the worst at binge drinking or the best? Well, that's actually what, uh, what one of my friends posted and said. Uh, doesn't that make us actually the best at binge drinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like some of these questions like are really weirded, uh, worded weirdly, uh, almost almost to the point where they're trying to skew the answers, right? Like like mm-hmm. what like are young people just dis- disproportionately affected by addictive qualities of games and apps? Well, if you're an older person, you'd be like, yes, they are. I'm not, you know, or how does game design of a game or how does the design of a game keep you playing for longer? Do you find it addictive? 
like just I don't know like it's I, it's skewed to a certain sense of even even the first one is game is gaming harmful or helpful <laughs> to society <laughs> let's focus on the harmful yeah I was speaking to my colleagues over at the loot gaming about this because they're based in the UK oh okay and a lot of them were were planning on doing a bunch of research and uh, giving you know really mm. good answers to this but they seemed overall uh, optimistic they thought that this committee was not biased despite how the questions might seem they mm. thought they, that they were just looking for expert answers on either side oh, okay and so I was telling them I was like I I hope that they get just an absolutely overwhelming number of responses saying the positives of gaming because mm-hmm. what I could see happening is committees like this being repeated in every country in the world. Yes. Yep. So, Including ours. <laughs> yep. So how it goes in the UK could really set a precedent for the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could totally see this happening, uh, trying to link – you know, violence in our society to games, uh, totally in our country. Uh, because that, I think a lot of these questions are very all encompassing and it might cause like a few bad examples to bubble to the forefront and yeah. cause them to think that all video games have very specific issues with them. But hopefully the experts will voice the opinions and ideas of the common people. You know what's gonna, they're going to find out? It turns out that Candy Crush is actually the <gasps> worst game ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, today I saw a commercial for Candy Crush Friends on TV. They're just churning those things out. How oh, many Candy Crush games do they make? It's insane. Yeah. As many as people will buy, I guess. Do you I, remember... I mean, they're free. They got to be like churning out microtransactions like none other. Oh, I know, right? Well, do you remember the 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 TV show? I mean, it was really short lived, but there was Candy Crush the TV show. What? Yeah, it was a really short lived game show. It was like one of those right right between like the the when the season ends and the new season begins, like in a couple months, right? So they always do these like weird game shows. Like right now, they have like Who's Behind the Mask or whatever, whatever that singing show mm-hmm. is. Um, which, you know, I don't think is going to last. But they always try to throw out, like, weird shows. Like, and it feels like they're just trying to get feelers on these. And one of them was Candy Crush, the, the game show. And, yeah, it was weird. Like, you have to look it up. I think it was CBS. I think it was CBS. It was a weird... Mm-hmm. It, I, I don't think it lasted even more than a couple episodes, actually. So, hmm. dumb. Well, hopefully they do listen to actual evidence as opposed yeah. to bad headlines mm-hmm. that are written on bad evidence to begin with. Yeah. Like how Fortnite breaks up relationships or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. What was that like 40% or something? Like or they, yeah. They cited Fortnite addiction as one of the reasons that they, their relationship broke up or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's all the news I have. Do you, do either of you have any other news? No. Um, I don't know if it counts as news, but I think I figured out what the microtransactions are in the new Resident Evil. Really? <laughs> yeah. What are they? Yeah. So apparently if you pre-ordered the special edition, you got a handful of different like costumes and guns. And mm-hmm. so if you didn't order the special edition, there's a store in the game that allows you to purchase those. Oh. So okay. far. 
that's that's what I'm understanding that the microtransactions are because the the game is basically all anybody's been talking about this week, mm-hmm. and so then I asked people what are the microtransactions, and most people came back and said there's microtransactions in here. What are oh. you talking about? That's good. I mean, at least it's not you know ruining the game. It sounds like I so. know. I was like, if that's all it is, then that's been a lot of fuss over nothing. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard good things about the game so far. That's that's very weird to me. That doesn't even sound like microtransaction. Like, why would they put that in the game so that it could be labeled as a microtransaction? Yeah. I would just put that in the PlayStation Store or the storefront and just let them buy like the special edition upgrade, and then you get the skins that way. Well, considering know. how bad, uh, what a bad taste microtransactions leave in people's minds. You know what I mean? Like, even even we talked about it. Like, oh, microtransactions. I don't know about this. Yeah, we. I specifically specifically didn't buy the game because they were in there yeah and i wanted to find out what what they were first yeah so but yeah it is weird christian that they didn't just do that and maybe they have future plans for that little in-game store i don't know yeah yeah i'll have to watch it sometimes they don't tr- flip the switch on that stuff till later that's what they did with black ops 4 there weren't microtransactions implemented until like a month after launch after all the reviews were out there hmm that was smart yeah it was (laughs) like scarily smart yeah so that's interesting well i'm I'm glad that that it wasn't anything too serious any anything else that you guys have for news no Mm -mm. um all right then let's go on to our listener feedback and uh listeners you can give us feedback through our facebook uh site that's facebook.com slash gamerheads podcast you can also go to Twitter at GamerHeadsPC, email us at info at GamerHeadsPodcast, or you can go to our website at GamerHeadsPodcast.com. So last week we asked the question, um, what were our favorite celebrities in a game? So here are some of your picks. So Blue, do you want to read the first one? Sure. This is from producer BTW on Twitter, and he says, when Peter Dinklage did the voice of the original Ghost in Destiny. Oh, yeah. And I really had to agree. I <laughs> Really? Wow. I loved the first ghost, and then they replaced it with like high pitched nasally voice. And that was when my husband was basically playing it 24 7. And so this high pitched nasally ghost was just constantly making noise in the house. And I'm like, what did they do? This is (laughs) awful. (laughs) Yeah. And I forgot about the. Nathan Fillion being in Destiny as well. Like, Mm -hmm. I totally forgot about that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I love Nathan Fillion. So. That, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a good uh, answer. Um, um, Christian, you want to take the next one? Sure. Here? At C Nerd Media, tweeted Bruce Willis in Apocalypse on the PlayStation One. Yeah, I did. Either of you play Apocalypse? I have no. not. Yeah, I didn't either. So I, I I remember hearing that Bruce Willis was going to do the voice, but then I I remember when that game came out, I was like, oh, I had to play it, and then I never did. <laughs> <laughs> Another victim of the backlog. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Typhoon Gomez, uh, I've I've loved a ton of games with celebrities, but two come to mind that are outside the normal characters: Bronson and Bon, and Shatner in Star Trek, and that are Liam Neeson in Fallout Three. I didn't realize that. Yep. And Seth Green in Mass Effect. I loved their uh, loved their work on those. And one day I'll need to play Fallout. Uh, I'm assuming Fo Four means Fallout Four. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So. Uh, Bronson and, and Bond and then Shatner and Star Trek. What 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 did he? 
What what Star Trek game did he did he provide a voice for? I don't remember. Good question. Yeah, I don't remember Star Trek, but I remember Bronson. And then and then they got Daniel Craig to come in, and when they came out with the Wii version of GoldenEye, he did all the voiceovers for that. Daniel that Craig crazy? did. Yeah. Well, then they reskinned him too as 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 Bond as as Daniel Craig. Hmm. Which is really cool. Um. But I don't. I mean, I would love to play a Star Trek game with Shatner as 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 Captain Kirk. I'm assuming he would play Captain Kirk, and not somebody else. Um, but I didn't realize that Liam Nielsen was in Fallout Four. Either. What is he in Fallout Four or Fallout Three? I mean, I'm sorry. What's he in Fallout Three? He's not in Fallout Four. In Fallout Three, he's like your dad. So oh, he's your he's dad. One of the main in characters 3? in okay. Fallout Three. Yeah. Okay. Uh yeah. And Seth Green in Mass Effect. What was he in Mass Effect? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know either uh yeah i i played mass effect i don't remember yeah seth green in it unless he's the ship uh pilot he might be oh maybe joker oh. yeah joker i think that might well i guess we'll have to look it up uh blue do you want to take the next one yeah this comes from jumbo scorpions they tweeted def jam fight for new york's big cast of rappers and b-list actors is so funny Ludacris and Method Man are your homies. Danny Trejo is an assassin sent to kill you. And the final boss is Snoop Dogg. Oh, now I want to play this game. This sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, I responded to him. It was like, I can get behind anything that Danny Trejo is in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have either of you played Def Jam? No. I've played like a PSP one, I want to say. But that was it. Yeah. I, I want to play that game, too. Um. Uh, Christian, want to take the next one here? Sure. Uh, at Nefarious West tweeted Mike Patton in Bionic Commando for the PS3. Yeah. I've not played. I, I have it because that was one of the PS Plus games. Again, it's a victim of my backlog. Oh. Uh, I haven't played it, but I remember playing the original Bionic Commando and thinking this is an impossible game. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It is tough. Do you know that Commando, I think Bionic Commando is a sequel to Commando. Did you know that? Really? That's what I read. Fascinating. Yeah. And I've not played Bionic Commando on the PS3. Have you, Blue? Have you played that game? No. Yeah. Neither have I. So. Um, Seth Green plays Joker. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. That's the pilot. Yeah. That makes sense. And then sense. Um, the Metroid 4 was Bandai Namco. Oh, it was. Okay. Just over here fact checking. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for keeping us honest. Uh, I just make stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I guess like 90% of the time I'm right, so uh, not bad for making stuff up. Uh, the next <laughs> the next one is from ABXY Reviews, and they tweeted Ray Liotta, is that how you pronounce it? Liotta. Liotta, yeah. Uh, William Fickner, uh, Tom Sizemore, Dennis Hopper, Burt Reynolds, Luce Guzman, and more and more and more. Vice City has a great cast of celebs. I didn't know that all those were in Vice City. I didn't either. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Burt Reynolds? I didn't know he was in that. It's crazy. Like, that's crazy. I think one thing that we talked about, well, some of that discussion that generated was how some actors are really good at voice acting and some are not very good at voice acting. Mm -hmm. And it's weird to me to think of, like, Burt Reynolds because I don't see him as a voice actor, really. I mean, maybe he's done other voice acting, but, like, Mark Hamill obviously has. Like, he's lended his voice to a lot of stuff. But, like... You know Dennis Hopper and Burt Reynolds. Like I don't know. I, I can't. I can't see them doing other voice acting. But 
Sure, Dennis Hopper always plays insane characters. So <laughs> he has to be good at voice acting. Well, yeah. I mean, do you think this difference, though, from, like, acting as, like, on film versus voice acting, like... Well, there's some differences, but I, I imagine, not being an actor, that the principles are the same. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I feel like you're just reading lines. Maybe you are playing off other people, but... I don't know. I guess we'll have to. We'll maybe we'll have to interview a voice actor and get him on our show and ask them <laughs> what's the difference between acting and voice acting and see what they have to say. So, uh, last week we also discussed uh, during our hot topic what subscription services we thought were the best value. And blue, do you want to read the response we got from uh, Red yeah, and Blue Dave? This is from Red and Blue Dave, and they said on the topic of value for money on subscriptions, I think Xbox One and uh, PS Plus are both good value as you're able to family share on both. My, me and my son use both on both consoles, and so we get our money's worth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that is awesome. And I know a lot of people that do share subscriptions um, amongst family and friends that way. So, uh, you know, if N Nintendo has that family plan, but it's, it is a little bit different because you, you have to pay more money for that, too. So, uh, But I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done that, and I would have shared it with both of you. But, oh, well. <laughs> um, okay, so then... Um, that's that was our feedback. The other thing we asked was that um, we had a contest going on for Hive Jump, and we asked people to uh, give us a review on iTunes, but I also I accepted reviews on our uh, Podbean site as well. And anybody that sent in a review was entered for a chance to win Hive Jump on the Xbox One. The game code for that, and we do have a winner, and our winner is. Uh, Killjoy 376. Woo! And they you wrote, Killjoy. <clears throat> they wrote, great podcast. I love to see you guys play Miles Million, <laughs> Miles Secret Castle. Talk about one of the hardest <laughs> NES games. I, lo Milan's. I used to love that game. Milan's. Oh, Milan's. Is, that, is that how you pronounce it? Oh. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 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 obviously, I've not played it. Uh, yeah. So, so thanks for the feedback and thanks for the suggestion. Uh, I will have to give that game a shot. I know that Mike said that they might add that to the retrospective wheel that they do on the Controller Thor's podcast. So, um, but thank you, thank you to everybody that provided feedback on our show. We really appreciate it. Uh, it helps us grow as as a podcast and grow as a community as well. Um, so thank you for for participating. Uh, before we uh, go on to our break, then why don't we talk about uh, the games that we're currently playing? So Christian, since you are a guest. Um, I'm, I'm going to give a little feedback here. So Mike, Mike did have to step out. He'll be back for our hot topics. So that's why <laughs> if I don't, if I don't call on him, that's, that's because he stepped away. He but ghosted us. Yeah, he ghosted he us. Uh, so Christian, what are you currently playing? Well, I've been playing a lot of games, a lot of video games. Uh, <laughs> since we last spoke, I got a PlayStation VR headset. Yeah. And so I've been chipping my way through the PSVR games that I wanted to get to. So I played through Thumper, which is a fantastic rhythm game, probably my favorite rhythm game ever at this point, and that includes Rock Band and Guitar Hero. It's just fantastic, and it doesn't require VR, but VR makes it even better. So mm. I would highly recommend Thumper. Have either of you heard of Thumper? I have heard of it. Heard of I it? have not, but I don't have a VR, so I don't pay attention to those games. Yeah, that's totally fine. But it doesn't require VR, so you can have a blast in or out of VR, and it's available on Switch. So, Ooh, fancy. 
did you play it both VR and not VR? Yes, I did. And is there a significant difference between both of them? There isn't. It's it's exactly the same game either way. Okay. But in VR, it, like VR gives you a heightened sense of depth perception and size and scale. So I found I had an easier time playing it in VR just because that's how I started playing it. And that's kind of the timing that I was used to. And so I was able to like time things easier. But what I like so much about it is that like the game it isn't very easy and after you finish a level you're just like smacked in the face with another challenge it's like okay good job go again do it again and so (laughs) you kind of have to get in this sense of rhythm and it put me in this head space where i actually felt like i was playing an instrument which is better than i can say about playing guitar here with a plastic guitar in my fingers and pushing the colored buttons when the notes hit the screen and then pressing the plastic strum thing yeah. Like I like thumper. the colored buttons. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's fun. I, I I like Guitar Hero, but I think Thumper as a music video game does things extremely well and requires you to tap into that musical brain that you have to have operating. Does it? So does Thumper, it have, fantastic. Does it have, does it have music, uh, like contemporary music and or like rock music, or what? What is the it music? It does not. Okay. So the the music is very different, and that's why it also kind of it it also contributes to that sense of it feeling like you're playing an instrument where. Uh, it's not overt. Like there's not really blippity bloops playing in the background while you're playing. There's kind of like this droning beat in the background and every obstacle you overcome kind of has its own melody that it adds to the track that you're playing. So like the recurring melodies are what are super effective in Thumper because you'll pick up on these melodies that are happening over and over. And all those melodies are just the same obstacles put in your way. So you could just close your eyes and then just do all the obstacles based on what you're hearing. And I really like the feeling of that. Hmm. Have you played, um, what is that called? Bit trip run or something? I think yes, like I've played it. Yes. And, um, is it something similar to that? Because like you have to have some kind of rhythm to that music too. Like hear the music and like you know, I mean, obviously it's a little bit different. But is like the music what you're talking about, like having the music playing in the background. Is it similar to to that kind of musicality? I guess. Yes, it is quite a bit similar. Um, I guess where where it's different is that the music is. I guess it's both more overt and also more background in Bit Trip than it is in Thumper, because Thumper is like largely a rhythm game, whereas Bit Trip is kind of like a platformer where the music enhances your ability yeah. to time things correctly. Yeah. Cool. Uh, that sounds like fun. I might, yeah, I might have to check that game out. You know, what other game you could play now in VR. <gasps> What's that? And you can play without VR too. What's that? Star Trek Bridge Crew. That's right. You mentioned this, Roger. You yeah. mentioned this too. I could be the I captain. Don't know. And you yeah. could be the helmsman, and I could like yeah. boss you around. That'd be awesome. Yeah, my dad I was like a trekkie. I like how he already assigned roles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my dad was a trekkie, but Star Trek. I haven't watched any of the movies. I've watched like one episode, so I can't. Wait. Wait. I'm sorry. Have you do you, Do you know anything? What if your dad's a trekkie? Why aren't you like? <laughs> Well, I, I've seen the J.J. Abrams movies. There you go. Okay, but you have not seen any of the original series. No, I think I watched the very first episode with the guy, lizard guy in the rubber suit. No, that that's not the first. That's not the first episode, by the way. Oh no, the first episode doesn't even have Captain Kirk. It has Captain uh, Pike. Really? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, it does. It has Captain Pike in it. Yeah. Uh, so you did not watch the very first episode. I'm sorry. It doesn't no. even, the only person that's similar in there is Spock. And then, and then they came out with Captain Kirk and then they go back and talk about Pike. It's a really good series. You have to watch it. Maybe blue. Maybe someday blue. I Are didn't you? say anything. 
Are you a fan of Star Trek Flu? No. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) And that's great for people who love it, but I'm not one of those people. (laughs) I love Star Trek. Anyway. um, So, yes. Yeah, I loved Thumper. Uh, It's not VR mandatory, but VR made it, like, awesome. Probably one of my favorite VR experiences thus far. I also played through Moss a couple times to get the Platinum Trophy. It's a little cutesy platformer where you control this little mouse with this little sword and you like hop around in this world. It's got the storybook aesthetic. It's pretty short. It's only like four or so hours tops your first time through. But it's really enjoyable because of it. It doesn't overstay its welcome and it's really a nice tight little platforming experience. It's very cute. Hmm. Yeah, see that was one I definitely wished was both VR and non-VR. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. There's a lot of motion control stuff in Moss and the what makes VR so effective is its ability to depict scale very effectively because uh I believe it's 3D, so you're looking in two lenses and like it makes it gives you that 3D effect as well. And so Moss what makes Moss so effective is that the mouse looks like it's like the size of your pinky finger. And so oh. you can just see it running around and you can like lean down and look at the cute little mouse running around. Or if you solve a puzzle with the mouse, you'll give it a little high five with the controller. And you'll be like, yeah. And it's oh. so cute. <laughs> that is pretty cute. So if you get closer, like, so if you have the, the VR on and you like bend down and get closer, mm-hmm. does he get bigger? Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, it's like realistic. So, I mean, like as you get closer to things, they look bigger. And so yeah. that's how it looks. Come on, Roger. <laughs> of course it's a realistic high-fiving mouse. I know. I know. That's yeah. uh, Christian, when can I come over and play this stuff? <laughs> oh, we'll have to see. Maybe one day after work we'll have a yeah. VR fest. <gasps> That'd be awesome. Anyway, uh, anything else? Yeah, I played through Moss. Liked it a lot. Played through Job Simulator. Got the Platinum Trophy in that. Oh, that's yeah. a fun little distraction. Not really too substantial. Uh, <laughs> I played through Rick and Morty. Uh, virtual rickality which is by the same uh, job simulator developers very fun platinum that as well but it's oh, also fun. kind of functions best as a distraction fun yes job both simulator fun. sounds like the most boring game ever no yeah it no, it's from the good. outside not knowing anything about it that's yeah that sounds like the worst no blue it's fun it is fun because you can like well okay it's not it's not it's not all that exciting but you can do like funny things <laughs> in it like you can take your uh like your um like your stapler and throw it across the room and, and somebody mm-hmm. like gets hit with it. Like it, it's it's you take place in the future, right? And like you're a human yeah. and and everything's run by like computers, right? Yeah, I think the conceit of it is you go to a human museum to see what things were like back in the day and so they're like why don't you try office job? Yeah. Office jobs were very common in humans were with humans back in the day. So you're playing what robots would think an office job consists of. Oh, I see. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Like that like I cuz I um Matt Christian uh had the demo disc of that and I played it. He also had the demo disc of Resident Evil and that <laughs> mm-hmm. scared the crap out of me. I could not <laughs> yeah. I could not watch that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I played through Until Dawn Rush of Blood, which is a launch game for PSVR, and oh, it's yeah. spooky. Lots of jump scares. I don't handle those well, uh, and especially in <laughs> VR. I just close my eyes and scream, stop, go away, go away. Uh, thanks to your it doesn't go well. But it's it's surprisingly good for uh, like a launch thing on VR, but the motion sickness is kind of bad because oh, you're yeah. in a mine cart, yeah. and whenever the mine cart like, goes down a hill, that's when I start getting queasy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. A lot of I haven't had a lot of motion sickness problems, but 
there are very specific games where it's pretty bad. Yeah. Did you did you play Astrobot? Did you say? I did Astrobot Rescue Mission. I finished it and got the platinum trophy. Fantastic. Hmm. Game is so good. Uh, I I watched like a lot of like just little snippets of content of them playing it, and it's so it's so hard to judge a VR gamer just to watch a VR game, yeah. Because you're seeing one eye, and that eye is obscured most of the time, and like the view that you're getting, it doesn't work because you don't always see the character, and it's it's just so hard to judge a game based on that other viewing experience. Whereas when you're in the VR headset, Astrobot Rescue Mission is just fantastic. It's like the closest thing that Sony has got to a Mario platformer, a 3D Mario platformer. It feels like exactly of that cloth. Hmm. That's awesome. It's fantastic. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, anything else? Well, this weekend I've been a little busy too. I've gotten myself to 99 platinum trophies, so I'm one away, oh and I think I'm going to save that 100th for Kingdom Hearts three. That's wow. my goal. Wow! But I, uh, I not trophy related. That. Yeah, I agree with <laughs> I that. That's perfect. that'll be perfect. But not trophy related. I played through Katamari Damashi this weekend. Oh, Have either fun. of you played Katamari at all? No, I have no. the demo on my PlayStation. The demo. Though. Yep. Yeah. That's the one experience I had was I played through the demo of uh, Katamari on PS3 way back in the day. And I don't, that was a long time ago, like eight, ten years ago. So I don't remember it very well. But I've always heard great things. And I gave it a shot and finished it uh, yesterday. And it's, the controls are very frustrating. The controls are what I had a big issue with. Because you need to use both analog sticks to do anything. So in order to move forward, you need to, move both analog sticks forward and you don't have camera control in order to change where you're looking you have to move one analog stick one way and then the other one the other way in order to actually turn and it was so frustrating because i'm like why can't you just give me camera control on the right stick and there's a simplified control scheme that almost gets there but because of it, it feels like they punish you for using this this simple control scheme because the left one does exactly what I wanted to do, the left stick, but the right stick moves the camera very slowly. Aww. So they're like, this isn't how you're supposed to be playing the game, so we're going to make you move it very slowly, which is frustrating. Yeah. I feel like it's just hindered by the, the bad controls, but otherwise it's a f- awesome experience i mean you're just rolling this ball full of junk that's what you're doing and you like progressively get bigger and bigger and bigger and you're swallowing you go from swallowing up little ticked like little tacks and stuff on the floor to enveloping buildings and your giant ball and it's it's a gameplay thing that's been used a lot to the up to this point but katamari is kind of what pioneered it in some sense it's got this crazy wacky japanese tone that's pretty endearing too did you play that what did you play that on I played it uh, PS2. I played the PS2 original, but the re-roll version is out on Switch now, Yeah, Yeah. and it's largely the same game. I wonder if they fixed the camera, though. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't think, I don't believe they did. I believe the controls are exactly the same as they were, Hmm. so. Oh, well, then why bother? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. good. It's good. You just got to wrestle with the controls. Like it took me 3 hours probably until I actually kind of understood what I was doing with the controls, but even then I was still wishing that it was simplified. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, well, thank you, uh, Christian. Anything else sure. I should ask you? Anything Anything else you would Nah, doing? nah, we're good. We're all <laughs> Those good 20 here. games are good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was all. He had a slow week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Blue, what have you been playing? This week, I finally finished up, well, you know, so to speak, I finished up uh, Disgaea. Oh, you oh. did? Yeah, sort sort of. I didn't finish it, finish it, but I finished it as much as I could before when I promised I would have mm-hmm. my editor I would have the review in. So yeah, I am done with that. Nice, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, overall, you know, it's it's a great uh, tactical RPG, obviously, if that's your thing. But the game actually it changed very little during the whole time I was playing from the beginning to the end, it's really just you're playing these boards and they've got enemies on them and you control your little party. And that's, that's just what it is the whole time. Mm. So uh, if that's your thing, and obviously that is so <laughs> many people's thing, yeah. people love this game, but I was just, I was definitely like, I, I don't love this these strategy battles enough to just do nothing else yeah to just sit yeah. here and do these little battles for hours and hours and hours and hours was the story enough to push you along a little bit yeah and see that's the thing is i think the story is so fun and the characters are so fun and it's i wish you didn't have to work so hard for it you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah because you'd be you'd be absolutely fine you'd be going through the levels and then it'd be like this huge difficulty jump and just like you hit a brick wall and you're done and then you have to go grind for like three hours and then you can come back and maybe you can get another piece of the story. Yeah. It's like, is there just like a way to make this more accessible? Yeah. And I suppose maybe if you're going to do that, you just need to watch the Disguise anime or something. <laughs> if the story is all you want. But Are there any difficulty settings or is it just the one? Uh, I believe it's just the one. I really, honestly, I didn't look. I gotcha. There could be. But um, kind of it's, it's Disgaea One Complete, of course, is the remaster of the PS2 version. And then my biggest complaint, absolute biggest complaint about the game is kind of like what you were saying, Christian, is the, really? the camera is so awful. Oh, no. So the camera follows you. You have your cursor around the board, and the camera follows you, but is not at a fixed height. So if the cursor goes up suddenly onto, like, this hill yeah. in the terrain, then the camera jerks up. <laughs> or if you go down into like this gully then the camera jerks down and lord mm. forbid you should do those two things in succession <laughs> because it's just like it was giving me such a headache oh, and then also sometimes you're con- if you're not paying attention your cursor will drop off the board completely yeah and it's like really? you just you fell off the earth and <laughs> then you have to like where is it i can't find <laughs> it to put it back on the board so i can keep going it's just it I could only play the game in probably in like half hour, 45 minute burst because the camera gave me such a headache every time. Yeah. So I've been playing it too. And I, I, I will say that's my biggest complaint too. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I have been doing, then I just would rotate the board around. <laughs> Cause one thing that happened to me was there was a, a bad guy hiding behind a, a brick and I didn't realize I could rotate the camera around. I'm like, where? Oh, and he got I... you, didn't he? No, he didn't get me. He just sat oh. there. Didn't move. Oh. So I didn't know what was going on. I was like, was I supposed oh. to do something else? Am I supposed to trigger something? And yeah, then it... – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, because it doesn't – it won't tell you no. that there's still an enemy remaining. It would no. just mm. let you figure it out. Yep. 
and then I realized, oh, I can turn the camera, and then I turned it, and I wrote, or not the camera, but the board, and mm-hmm. I shifted the board around, and there he was, and he made a corner. <laughs> I was like, oh, hi, how are you? Now are you're you? dead. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, that's the other thing, is you can rotate, like, not 90 degrees. Yeah. There's four different perspectives you can take on the board, hmm. um, but it won't ever give you an overhead. Yeah. And so... Sometimes if there's a there's a playing spot that's like down between some mountains or something, there's yeah. nothing you can do to see it. There's yeah. no perspective that will allow you to see that spot. Yeah, I agree. I think that that is my poly because I, I had the same thing where the the cursor kept falling off the map, <laughs> and I was like, "What the heck?" And it was like kind of frustrating. Um, I just had to keep turning it until I could you know get to where i found the cursor again and then get the cursor back up yeah um but i the thing i i because yeah so I've, I've been playing it too the thing i do like about it in i also have disgaea 5 too so i've been playing kind of back and forth um i do like the fact that you can name characters like that's kind of fun like you like create your own characters and you create like this whole plethora of printies and stuff like that that's yeah. kind of fun but every time you make a new character you start the grinding process over <laughs> yeah that's true and and like the characters are like like you don't have enough uh like of their currency to get like a good character. So. Oh yeah, so you get an incompetent character yes. or whatever. Yes. Although Disguise Five uh gives you so much currency in the beginning of the game that you can actually make stronger characters in the beginning. So Yeah. Well I, even I, though even in one though, when I played long enough and I had all kinds of hell, which is the currency HL. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could make actually good characters. They still yeah. start at level one. Yeah, see, in the Sky still Five, have to grind them up. And I'm like, now I don't want to make new characters. Yeah, see, in the Sky Five, you can actually spend uh, hell points to raise them up to your current level, hmm. which is nice. So, uh, so yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good experience, and the problems that I had with it, I think, were mostly just because it was a PS2 game. You know, the quality of life things that would probably be fixed in a remake versus a remaster. Mm-hmm. Like how there's no re- there's no obvious way to, to compare two pieces of equipment. So if you're trying to yeah. decide which sword you want, you have to like keep switching back and forth instead of just looking at them side by side. Just yeah, that kind I of see. stuff. Uh, you played that on a Switch? Yes, I played yeah. that on a Switch. My review will be up soon on the wellreadmage.com nice uh you'll have to tweet it out and then i'll i'll share that i shall uh do you play anything else the other thing i played this week was the anthem demo oh do tell so uh as you probably heard it was kind of a disaster at first yes it was basically yeah just (laughs) nobody could get on for for forever and then when it finally did get on, oh, no. like about every 30 seconds, it would disconnect you. Oh, no. So you'd, you'd be there, unable to move, and then, but the enemies would still be able to move. And so, like, you're just standing there, like, on fire because one of them set you on fire. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. You're just waiting, waiting until you get connected again. So yeah. it was it definitely, um, I think the demo is going to be a good experience. As far as the company is concerned, <laughs> they've learned a lot, probably. <laughs> but as far as the actual game, it's Destiny. Uh, really? I mean, the, 
it just is. It it looks exactly like Destiny, and Uh-oh. it looks like it's it's designed exactly the way that a to make a Destiny player feel comfortable without skipping a beat. Like the way the cursor moves is the same, mm. um, the way the characters look, the way the the epic music that plays during the loading screen. It all sounds exactly like Destiny. Wow! When you finish a world event, this. A uh, treasure chest pops up and everybody runs to the treasure chest and grabs their thing. Or when you pick up items, they scroll by on the right side, just like they do in Destiny. Oh. <laughs> what the heck? Is it third person or first person? It's third person. It's funny because I let my husband play the demo too. And I was like, this is Destiny. He's like, no, it's not. It's way different. It's third person. <laughs> <laughs> not in the world. So, yeah, to be fair, there was differences of opinion in my house about whether or not it was or was not exactly Destiny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but you can play Destiny in third person, too, can't you? Um, I think you can, actually. Yeah. But the biggest, the, the, the one meaningful way that I saw that Anthem was different from Destiny was that you have the jetpack and you can kind of fly around like, Got like Iron Man. Yeah. Mm. It was, it was. That part was pretty fun, but then it's annoying because you can only do it for so long before your equipment overheats and you have to stop. Yeah. So it's like that's that's the one thing that sets Anthem apart, at least in this demo. Mm-hmm. The one thing that set, sets Anthem apart from Destiny, and it they limit you on it. Uh, the, did uh, did your husband like Anthem? Like, because I know he he likes he likes uh, Destiny, right? He's a yeah, Destiny he guy. loves Destiny, and yeah, yeah, he liked Anthem. Okay. Okay. So I think, think and that's. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. Do you think that that's um, a game that would attract people away from Destiny to play this instead? Well, I don't know. Because anecdotally, I've been looking at people talking about Anthem on Twitter, and it seems that either they hate it because it's exactly like Destiny, or they love it because it's exactly like Destiny. Hmm. And so then I don't know if this is a very specific crowd that they're going after with this game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think I it's hard. It, yeah, because... it depends on if, if you like Destiny or not. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, so most people that I know that play Destiny um, have, like, a crew that they play with. Mm-hmm. And I think that you would have to, like, convince that whole crew to switch over to this other game, don't you think? Yeah, I don't know. Apparently, he was talking with his coworkers, and he was saying he got to play the demo, and they were all so jealous that he got to play the demo, and they did it. so yeah i don't know it seems like there's definitely interest in the game for sure Hmm. i guess it just remains to be seen yeah i think if there's something that'll set anthem apart which remains to be seen i guess with what's actually in the demo is the story because bioware's developing it and they're known for their very in-depth narratives and world building but i feel like they're kind of limiting themselves by making this largely multiplayer and like a shared world experience you can't really go crazy the way you can in a single player focused thing see i was thinking i was thinking that same thing because when you're at like the i don't know the village hub or city hub or whatever it's called in the demo you can go talk to people and then it gives you a choice of responses and i was Uh thinking that it would be cool if how you answered the questions or interacted with people changed the way the game plays but if it's multiplayer they can't do that because they need to make sure everybody has the same experience Yeah. yeah Well, yeah, because Destiny kind of, uh, at least Destiny Two. I didn't play much of Destiny One, but Destiny Two, I beat this the the initial story, and like while like there was a story there, you know, like 
you could ask your friends to come play with you, but if they already beat the story, it's just that they're running through it again with you. So, um, but yeah, that would be interesting if like the way that you answered things. But yeah, I think that's hard because like you kind of have to railroad people through the, well, this is the experience we want to give you, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, and you can't have people playing together if if one person is on one story track and another person yeah. is on another story track. Yeah. Uh yeah. I mean, otherwise you would just have to have them do it all over again i mean it's like what they do with diablo right like when we play online christian with diablo like you beat the story and i haven't yet so you have to do the whole story over with me <laughs> yeah but you're getting the same story either way mm-hmm. yeah that's true that's true yeah interesting uh when does that game come out do we know february really that soon yeah i think in like a month <laughs> even though this has been such a disaster Yep. Yeah. So oh, that'll go well. That'll go well. Did you have to sign up for the demo? How did you get into the demo? Pre-ordered the game, I think. No, I didn't. I got access through one of my colleagues at the Loop Gaming. Oh, cool. oh okay. I think okay. if you pre-ordered the game, you had three codes that you could give out to friends. Oh, interesting. So again, so. that kind of ties into the whole like getting a group of friends together to play this game kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. February twenty-second. Anthem's oh. coming out. Whoa, that's my month. <laughs> Ready or not. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, have you been playing anything else? Uh, yeah, basically that. Yeah. Those two. I'm just trying to, I've actually just been writing furiously this week because I'm trying to get everything wrapped up. So yeah. when Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out, then <laughs> I don't have to think about anything else. <laughs> nice. Uh, for myself, um, so I've been playing one game a lot. And I was hoping to have it beat by this episode, but I'm I'm not quite have it. I don't have it quite beat yet. And that's Mages of Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'll, I'll review it um, next week on the, on the podcast for sure. Um, but I will say this: I'm enjoying the game uh, tremendously. It's really a fun game. Uh, so yeah, I don't want to get into too much of it because I want to talk about it next week. But uh, it it like. I don't know, it has like the Zelda-esque kind of feel to it. And uh, the artwork is really good and the gameplay is really fun. Um, and yeah, I, I'm i enjoying it. So you can actually watch me streaming it. I've been streaming it a lot. So you can go to Gamerhead's uh, podcast. You can go to twitch.tv slash Gamerhead's podcast and you can see a lot of my streams of the game. Um, so I've been enjoying that game quite a bit. Uh, other than that, I think that's really all I've been playing uh you know it's funny when when i when i got when it was we were given a review code for that game and uh it's out on ps4 already and pc i think it's been out for a year so that I'm, I'm reviewing the switch version version of the game and uh what i saw was like oh this game is really short it's only like four hours long and i'm, I'm already into like 10 hours into it i'm like it's not four hours long <laughs> there's no way this game is four hours long uh unless they just like didn't try any because there's so much so many different puzzles and things you can do in the game unless they didn't do any of that which i don't know how you can't they because they ran it and then complained it short yeah exactly <laughs> that was actually the biggest complaint on the on the one one like like i said i don't want to read reviews but i wanted to see how long it's going to take me like what people thought and there's like too short four hours and i'm like <laughs> i don't know what you've been playing because this is not four hours but <laughs> Uh, but I'll give my full review next week uh, of the game. So, uh, with that, then let's take a break 
And then when we come back, we'll get into our hot topic, and that is our games reviews, uh, just propaganda. So we'll we'll debate that coming up. And welcome back to Gamerheads. Uh, this week, our hot topic is our game reviews, just propaganda. So there was a couple video posts on this and i'm sure there's other articles as well about whether or not video games are just or video game reviews are just propaganda and i wanted to explore that uh with with the cast here and then obviously listeners if you have ideas or thoughts or questions and after you listen to this feel free to reach out to us and uh you know ask us your questions you have so i have a series of questions but obviously um if you all have something else Feel free to jump in. So, so the first question I have here: um, Why? So, one of the things that they they point out in this this particular article is that it's the reason that they think game reviews are propaganda because user scores and critic scores are so different. There's like a big disparity between like the critic scores tend to be higher and the user store scores tend to be lower. Um, do you think that this is because of propaganda, or do you think there is something else going on here? Uh, well. I think maybe we should give some background on the video we're watching because that's kind of a really out of the yeah. left field question. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. You talk about that because I, I I didn't know how much to get into that video. So go, why don't you? Oh, bring no, that's that up. okay. Um. So I'm looking actually for the video so I could tell you who did it, and I can't find it. But basically, it was, um, this guy was asserting that, uh, the big game review outlets they want to keep their relationships good with the studios and the publishers who put out these big games. And so they are inflating their reviews and their scores to where a mediocre game suddenly turns out as being awesome and like a bad game turns out as being mediocre. And then in this way, they can not only preserve their relationships with the studios and the publishers, but they also guarantee that they continue to get exclusive access to certain things and while it's not a monetary bribe um, in this situation, what it does uh, relate to is income for the game review outlets because they get money from the advertisements on the pages when people click in to read the exclusive content. Mm -hmm. And also they get free copies of the game. And so he feels like in order to try and continue incentivizing outlets to... Um, like outlets continue to do glowing reviews in order to continue getting copies of games early. Yeah, early copies, and then also access to like uh, their studios, right? So getting exclusive interviews, going into, uh, getting invited to certain events that the general public doesn't get invited to. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this guy was saying one of his main arguments was that you can tell this is happening because if you compare the scores on Metacritic between you know regular run-of-the-mill players and the reviewers there um there's a huge discrepancy yeah so but the, the problem though with the with with metacritic is that there's so many people in the user reviews that go based on emotion yes and there's people that throw reviews up there that don't even own the game <laughs> <laughs> yeah what was that one game that uh oh the, the pokemon game the Pokemon Let's Go game, where people were throwing a bunch of uh, negative reviews to... They didn't even own the game, but they want to throw a bunch of negative reviews to say, 
hey, we're boycotting this game, so we're going to give it zeros because this is not the Pokemon we wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Blue. Oh, I was just going to say, so um, I just thought it was a really interesting video and, and it's something of a good topic to discuss uh, whether or not game reviews are thought to be accurate and whether or not people pay attention to them before they buy their games or if they're just going to buy the games they want to buy. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess, you know, I, I, you know, I, like I said, I have, I have a series of questions here. So um, I, I do want to explore each one if we can. So the first one being that the scores are the scores on like Metacritic from the critics are much higher typically than the user scores. And why, why is that different? I, I think we kind of talked about the emotion piece, but I think also, I mean, there is something, I mean, there is something about people that have this as a profession. And I feel like they, I mean, kind of what Mike was saying, like, I feel like they try not to have their emotions go into their reviews where I think, um, where just a gamer who, who, or somebody that's not, I shouldn't say just a gamer, somebody that has not is not writing it from a review purpose, but writing it from their own, like, this is, you know, my own gut feelings. Like, I, I feel like there is something different. I feel like, I feel like people that are going to write reviews have to take a couple moments away from the actual gameplay to kind of digest some of that. And I'm not sure if that always happens with uh, the user scores that are on, like, Metacritic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that user scores are always, or at least most of the time, skewed to extremes. It's either a perfect score or a zero because of some flaw. And the people who feel obligated to actually leave a review score are those with a very strong opinion. So I've seen, like, on Google, for example, there'll be, you know, tons of one-star reviews or zero-star reviews where they just say, you know, it wasn't too bad, but they screwed up my order, so I hated it, zero stars. Or yeah. an, an app on the App Store, and they're like, you know, it's not too bad, too many ads, though, zero stars. Stuff like that. Yeah. I yeah, think I, a lot of the... Go ahead, Blue. Oh, I was just going to say, it would be interesting because I'm... Um, you know, when it comes to something like movies, a lot of times the opinions of, you know, the like the highbrow critics or like the um, Academy Awards are very different than what, you know, average people would rather go spend their weekend seeing. Mm -hmm. And so it would be... Um, it would be interesting to see if there are any scores on Metacritic, and um, I wouldn't even know where to look, where the user scores uh, were way high and the critic scores were way low. Uh, well, I'll give you, I, I mean, I'll give you an example here. Um, <laughs> so I went out to, um, so I, so we're not, we're not, as, as gamer heads, we're not part of the critics reviews, but we, I do post on Metacritic, part of our user our, as user reviews, right? Our, our reviews, and I'll post like our our reviews in the users' comments. And one of the games that I posted was Fight of Gods, which I posted uh, this past week on our site, and then I posted on Metacritic, and I gave it a two because <laughs> I didn't think that was generous. <laughs> that was a little generous, maybe. <laughs> uh, and I, I didn't I didn't think it was you know there was you know there was some aspects. Of, of the game that I, I thought were well done, but it just didn't, uh, there wasn't enough in there that I thought that it was going to get a higher score than a two. So so I went out to the other users and a lot of you know, the critic, okay, so the critic scores on this was uh, 39, 39, 39 uh, 
overall score. And then I went to the other user scores, and most of them were low, except for one. And this one person wrote, uh, surprisingly good game, enjoying a lot right now. Easily, easy controls and combos. The hate for this game comes from only the butthurt Christians mad at Jesus being represented. Re- represented. Uh, and, and I was like, first of all, like, uh, I, you know, just going by myself, like, I don't, I'm not religious, and I'm not, like, that, I didn't, I wasn't offended as, like, a religious person. I just thought it was just in poor taste, so it was t- tone deaf. But then I was going through the rest of the reviews here, and all his reviews are either tens or zeros. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, Y2K, which we also posted, and we gave it a C-. minus. Uh, that's just on our site. And he gave that a 10. Uh, he gave Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu a zero. Lame, 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 lame. That was their response. That's that's an objective review. The next one, yeah. Very well thought out and well written. Well, you thought that one was good. This one's even better. Super Smash Brothers. Best game ever. 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 Best big game ever. IGN will be hiring this guy at any minute. So everything is a 10. Uh, ironically, he gives City Skylines Nintendo Switch Edition a 10, but gives the PS4 Edition a 0. <laughs> huh. Weird. He says, he says in, his, in his Nintendo Switch version, the game per- works perfectly in Switch. Don't hear Sony trolls or bribed press. All lies. And then his PS4 version, PS4 version is full of bugs. Better get the Switch version. It works perfectly. Are we hiring for reviewers? <laughs> because we need to snatch this guy up before somebody else does. <laughs> oh, brother. I think that exposes another thing where uh, this video in particular, he uses a lot of Metacritic score discrepancies as evidence, but those are just scores. Those are just numbers. That doesn't take at all into account the actual content of any of these reviews. And a lot of time when you're writing an in-depth review, it has to be in-depth. So you can't just, you know, yeah. let one thing weigh weigh the entire thing down and just let that write off the game because of that one thing. Like a review that I wrote, which is representative of a Metacritic score under the critic score is asterisks and obelix. And people really didn't like that the score was influenced by the price of the game. And you see, it, it goes either way here. People just can't be happy with how critics are reviewing things. I think there's like... Take take what I'm saying with a grain of salt because I do write game reviews and they are represented on Metacritic. Yeah. And I think that um, review scores aren't exactly the best way to stamp a quality onto a game. But uh, yeah, like I, it goes either way where critics, they often review things higher than zeros because they have to go in depth. They have to find, you know, they, they appreciate the effort that's gone into making this thing that might have a couple of very bad things associated with it. As opposed to me reviewing a game very poorly because of like the price is too high or something like that, but I still enjoyed some of it. And then people are like, uh, "This website is just reviewing things poorly to get clicks." Yeah. And then you can't win when you're reviewing a game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Uh, well, we were talking about that this past week, Christian, where you we reviewed. Were. Yeah, we were. You reviewed. Um, Megalith. Uh, on Megalith. The PlayStation yes. VR. Yes. And you didn't give it a very good score uh, no. because you didn't think it was a very good game. And, and man, there was one person on there that just, <laughs> in the comments, just ripped you apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. 
it's fun seeing that. <laughs> but yeah, if you go on if you go on Metacritic, look up Megalith. My review is the one review on Metacritic for that game, and then the user scores are significantly higher. So yeah. I mean, take take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But this this guy's video essay isn't necessarily representative of everything. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, but it is also, good. Go it does uh, it does raise good discussion points, which of course is why Absolutely. we're here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, another thing that that in that video and we we talked about was the fact that you know reviewers do get special access either get in, getting in uh, uh, invited to like studios which um, which be awesome if we did but we <laughs> 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 but we do have interviews right like I we have behind the scenes interviews I get to have I mean I talk to a lot of you know the game developers and um, so we do have access to that we do have access to to the games ahead of time, so when we do get review copies. Um, so do you think this affects the game reviews that we, that, that first of all, that, you know, critics do, but do you think that even affects the views that, reviews that we do uh, at Gamer Heads? I, I think that, yes. I, I, I will agree with that because I've witnessed it firsthand on, on a site that I used to write for. We did, um, a, we negatively scored a Konami game and they did not take too kindly to the, get to that, and we haven't received anything uh, since then. Um, they basically said, "Okay, you're going to review the game this way," and it was not like it was like a terrible review. It was, you know, it was an objective and professionally written review, but still, they just didn't like hearing that. So I will say that it's it's um, you know, it's both parties are are definitely part of this. There's the game publishers that say, "Hey." if you're not going to give us they, they don't say in those specific words but basically if you're not going to praise this game then we're not going to provide the our games to you and then on the flip side there's um media outlets that say well we need to have this kind of stuff coming in so we can't be you know we we can't be as a uh, as objective as we want mm -hmm. I, I think it's both parties are equally to blame at this and then uh, I think I think anecdotally, getting blacklisted by Konami is like one of the <laughs> easiest companies to get blacklisted by. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did look did, up that video. Wait, Luke, did you did you say easiest or not easiest? Easiest. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, they blacklisted Kojima from their own company. So. <laughs> and then you can get, so we're in good. Yeah, we're in good company. Yeah, you can get yeah. blacklisted for talking about why they blacklisted Kojima. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, since we've been talking about this guy's video, I looked it up. I did find it. It's by Upper Echelon Gamers, and so I felt like we just needed to put that out there in case people want to know what yeah. specifically we're talking about. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Like you're saying, Mike, though, with the um, games, like trying to review a game better in order to continue getting coverage, I feel that's a bigger issue for smaller publications who don't necessarily or have a difficult time getting their foot in the door with these larger publishers. And I feel like that's not who this video is talking about. This video is talking about like the big time publications who are getting their reviews up on um, the critic scores on Metacritic. And so they're, you know, arbitrarily big. And because of that, I feel that the bigger publishers are going to give them their games regardless, because at that point, any coverage on a big site would be good coverage to an extent. Yeah, true. I agree. Except for Kingdom Hearts, apparently. Right, Christian? Exactly. Yes. What? Yeah. Everyone hates Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> no. Don't read any reviews because nobody likes them. 
No, that's not what I it's meant. Not... I meant that <laughs> those that the game fans not... are gonna like it regardless. Don't read the reviews, guys. No, that's not what I meant. I meant to say that uh, that a lot of reviewers are not getting Kingdom Hearts. That's what I meant to say. That's true. Yes, yeah. a lot of them are not. There are a lot of leaks. Yeah. So I mean, so I mean, I will say this: that uh, you know, we were we we interview uh, game developers, and I don't think that that influences the review i give to a game though like or nor nor does getting early access to a game and and or a review copy i should say uh that doesn't at least i, I mean i know like blue you reviewed a game knock knock and <laughs> i know you said oh man i sure hope that like i don't i, I think it's like something along lines like, i just messaged you, you like, and worried. said that um I hope you weren't trying to get a relationship with Icepick Studios. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all and, I asked. <laughs> so, Blue, do you remember what what I said to you in response to uh, your, your message? I do remember, and it was a good answer. You said, <laughs> if they can't handle criticism, then they shouldn't be making games for the public. Yeah. So, that's that's been my... That has been my, like, thought since the beginning right like right well i definitely i appreciated it because it was the first code that i got for gamerheads and i'm playing it and i'm like i know that this is the worst game i've ever played so <laughs> i just needed to check with you and make sure that we were going to be on the same page that i could be honest about the code yeah well it it and the funny part about that was the fact that uh the fact that the 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 scores on Steam got like nines out of tens. I know that's mm -hmm. crazy. I was looking at those after I was done. I was like, "What the heck?" Yeah, yeah. And you know, I feel like I mean, granted, we're not the biggest uh, outlet in regards to like reviews and such. Not yet. Not yet. Yes, <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, but I do think I do think that our uh reviews are very similar i mean i don't read another review until i'm done with my review and then i'll go out and read what other people have said and i do think that our reviews are fair uh and in pretty much the things that we see in our reviews other people have said as well um except for users like i said like i i can't i can't speak for you know the user base obviously but i mean i do think there's a lot of emotion that goes into to what people put out there on on reviews and you know just that example of fight of gods where the person has all tens except for two zeros and that's just impossible like i, I just don't think that's that's possible you know the the video is about the larger outlets and of course all of us can only speculate about what goes on there mm -hmm. but um i definitely know that i i did a poll like this before on Twitter, and I asked whether um, game reviews influence whether or not people buy a game that they're on the fence about, and it was actually 50-50, and the comments were pretty interesting. A lot of people said, uh, you can't trust reviewers at all, they're all biased, you know, or they're lying, or whatever, mm -hmm. um, and then also a lot of people said, no, if I want the game, I'm going to buy it, because I only trust what i like as opposed to what other people like so yeah well and i think that was a oh, pretty crazy to have it 50 50 yes yeah yes i listen to reviews and yes or no i don't i was like 
if only half of people listen to what we're doing, then why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, but I do think well, and then and then we also put out a poll for our podcast, or not just our podcast, but video game podcast in general. And they and we asked, you know, what uh, what do people want to see in podcasts? And the number one thing was game reviews, which I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> um, but I think I think one thing that the video did say, um, which I think is a good point, like you shouldn't just go to one site. You should, you know, see a mixture of reviews and see what what people have to say. And we'll we'll have a I want to do an episode in the future about the scores and like the value behind game scores. But I will say this, that not all scores mean the same to each reviewer, right? Like, I don't I don't know if that's fair to say, oh, if, you know, Push Square gave it a 7 and, I don't know, some other site gave it, like, a, a 8 or a, or a 5 or something like that. Like, oh, look, look at that. Like, each, I think each reviewer and each score is, like, just, you know, they have their own things that they review. I, I don't think you should take the scores as, like... I don't know, as 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 like the law or as mm-hmm. as, as gospel. holy word, as gospel. That's the word I was looking for. As gospel. Thank you, Christian. <laughs> that's because you're not religious. You couldn't. Think yeah, of that word. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's true. Even though I did go to school for religious studies. So I... <laughs> <laughs> um. So the next next item I have here, though, is do reviewers have to temper their language so that even the negative sounds good? Mm-hmm. This this is a strong point for me because I think that yes they need to temper their language but not necessarily for neg- to make negative sound good. I just think that they just need to be respectful. Um I see way too many reviews um that are just just not not just completely unprofessional. I guess you could say and and like like using like piece like like phrases piece of crap or like you know what i mean just trying to sound edgy yeah. and it just makes you cut it just cut, makes you come off sounding just just really pompous yeah um and to that point uh you know for for example uh, i know everyone's go-to for terribly written reviews is uh is uh pokemon alpha sapphire <laughs> yeah too much water too much water <laughs> what? so like I, that's just Wait, isn't isn't one of the what, Alpha Sapphire? Isn't one of them like water based? I mean, I don't get it. What? Yeah, it's it, you're basically going from island to island, and the reviewer for IGN marked down the game, saying there was too much water in the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Okay. So if you ever oh. say seven point eight too much water, they're referring to the Pokemon Alpha Sapphire review, <laughs> where one of the negatives was too much water. Oh my yeah. Gosh. It's a good thing we have you two here to explain to us the, all these industry in jokes. Yeah, yeah, right. So I didn't get that. So, so yeah. So when when whenever I'm doing a review, even if the game is like, if I would I would say to my friends, "Oh, this game is garbage." It's you're you're writing a review and you're putting yourself out there for for people to read, and you should give yourself just a, you know when you're writing it up, write it up with an air of decency about it. You yeah. can't, in my opinion, you can't say this game is the, is just the, the worst game of all time. These people should be ashamed of themselves. You can, but you know, instead you would say, you know, they, they this game is not living up to my expectations or it is, is not pulled together, um, you know, succinctly. And it's just does not work. Like there's ways you can say things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that there's reviews out there where people are just way too just, like I said, unprofessional. 
So yeah. to, to me, yes, absolutely. Temper the language, you know, have a little pride in your, in your work. Don't, you're not in high school. Don't write like, you know, like you're writing just some, <laughs> don't, don't write a professional review like you would an Amazon review or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry, I just thought that was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, I think uh, that's a good point. Cause one thing that I, you know, and I'm, I will say that I'm, I'm still new to writing reviews, so it's not, not that I'm, I wouldn't say that obviously I'm a professional writer, but I, one thing that I, I try to focus on is, you know, what, 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 what value, first of all, did the game bring to the whole community? And then secondly, like, I do respect the fact that somebody put their creative, um, you know, I don't know, minds behind this. And I work in IT, and I, you know, like, it's easy to criticize. Like, before I worked in IT, you know, I worked in, the, I was, you know, I was user of the software, and you, every time, like, something would happen, you know, not where I work now, but where I used to work, like, something new, you know, something new rolled out, and everybody would be like, this is garbage, you can't believe it, doesn't work, doesn't work. And then you work on the IT side, and you're like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's why, like, things go wrong, right? Like, I get it, I get it, and I get the fact that, uh... You know, people put so much work and effort into stuff, you know, and uh, and and it's in I will always temper my language because I don't ever want to disrespect somebody. But I also write from a perspective that I try to take myself out of the review, like not from my perspective, but just from a, you know, this is the game. This is this is the game. and I'm going to try to write it as objectively as possible and not have any uh, emotions or or things in the game, and and I know that's not always the easiest thing to do, but I do attempt to do that. And um, you know, and, and and the video was saying like, oh, people temper their language because they're they don't want to say negative things. It's not it's not such that I think people temper their language because they don't want to say negative things. I think they temper their language because what you said, Mike, that you know, keep keep like keep the high school drama out of out of the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair. I will respectfully disagree with Mike um, because you might be trying to, as a reviewer, you might be trying to build a name for yourself. And if that's the persona that you want to get, like you're, you're a jerk or you're edgy or whatever, <laughs> then, you know, by all means do that. Um, it comes up to people whether they tolerate that or not. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I will never understand why, for example, in the big outlets, which is what we were originally talking about, people say, oh, they suck, they're not objective, you know, you can't trust the reviews, blah, 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 and yet you continue to read them. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you continue to give them their clicks where they get money from their advertising, and when you continue to do that, how is IGN ever going to know that they're doing something wrong? <laughs> Well, when they have and somebody so, uh, uh, plagiarized, that's when they'll know when they're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, but um, and then how many people ran out to those articles to look at them? I did. <laughs> yep. So you know that that's what I'm saying is by all means, if you want to be a jerk in your review, then be a jerk in your review if that's your thing. But if people don't like it, then don't read it. Yeah. No, yeah. I think. But I think um, one thing I will say on top of that. Uh, I think, to me, I think that's problematic because then it's become about the reviewer and not the game itself, I feel. And I get the fact that people want to be a standout, but then does it come to the point where they, 
where it, be- it be- influences how they review games and not so much yeah. the game itself. I mean, you think about people like the angry video game nerd. Yeah. I mean, he's... That was the first person I thought, too. Yeah, it's, it's about his persona, and it depends. I mean, uh, there's so many video game reviewers out there that I'm not going to ever criticize somebody for trying to stand out from the crowd, um, but I think... Personally, I wouldn't go to those uh, types of tactics of saying, oh, this is garbage or whatever. I would never say such a thing. Yeah. But if you would and you can make it work for you and people like it, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. Yeah. No, I don't I, think. And go ahead. Mike. To that point, I'll agree with you, Blue. Then, it, you know, if, you, if that's the way you want to write your reviews, then at least, you know, then, then fine, go ahead and do that. I'm not going to tell you you can't. But mm-hmm. at the same time, don't play the victim when people don't want to do business with you. Yes, yeah. that that right there. Yeah, good point. Uh, the other question, next question I have here: Do reviewers need to be good at games, or the game that at least be good at the game that they are reviewing? Can one I? Of the, if one of the videos that they had was uh, in that video, which did make me laugh, was I guess the infamous one, Cuphead example. Yeah, that exactly. was brutal. I'd never that seen that, and I was. I was like watching the video what because was that? the that was guy. I love Cuphead. Cuphead's always. Who gave Cuphead a bad review? I need to know their name. No, I need to know their. No, 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 it wasn't. It, it wasn't, wasn't a bad review. Oh, it wasn't, okay, good. It was the. Fact it was that they, yeah, a video of this guy. He's trying to play the tutorial, yeah. and it comes to the part of the tutorial where he has to jump and dash to get okay. up onto a higher ledge, and he can't do it, even though yeah. like it tells it right above it what to do, and he can't do it. And I'm just watching him like, no, come on. You can do it. <laughs> too. Jump I up know there. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Use your brain. You can do it. Well, and the, the thing is, like, I'm not good at Cuphead, but at least I was able to make it past that part. And I thought, oh, no. Like, if you can't make it past something that I can do, then you're really bad. Yep. <laughs> can I answer this question also yeah. with two words? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Skyward Sword. Oh. There was, was it GameSpot? I'm not sure. who did, who. There was an infamous review for Skyward Sword. Where this this guy just completely just destroyed the game in his review, and it turned out that he just wasn't using it to con- wasn't controlling it the right way. I think he was using the Wii remote, uh, trying to pay attention to the sensor bar as opposed to using it with the Wii Motion Plus. Oh man! And then he even then he like refused to retract his statements in his review. It was something like that. It was a long time ago, so. But yeah, so to that question, you you need to have a decent knowledge of how a game is played if you're gonna yeah if you're gonna give it a, a good score. Yeah, I agree. Well, there's I a, go, ahead, go ahead. I was just say there's an example of a of a major outlet giving a bad score to a big series. Yeah, yeah that's true. I could be wrong. I I'll have to do some more fact checking. I would say for me personally. I don't care how good the person is at games. They could be the worst person ever because I feel when I'm reading a review for a person, I identify with that personality and I follow them specifically because I feel like my interests or the way that I would play games would be very similar to them. And as such, I would enjoy the game in a similar capacity to how they did, regardless of how good or not good they were at any particular game. And so I feel with something like Metacritic, that just puts a bunch of reviews into a meat grinder, spits them all out into this one two-digit number, and then everyone just takes that as, like Roger said, gospel for how good the game is. 
And I feel like that loses some of the individuality of game reviews and all the time and effort that people put into crafting these, you know, very carefully constructed paragraphs dissecting what is and isn't good about a game and what might make you like it or not like it. And so, I mean, if one of my favorite reviewers is the worst at all games ever, because I am, I would be okay following them. <laughs> I'm sorry, Christian. I'm not buying that Mr. Platinum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. I'm sorry. Like, you're not bad at games. That's the problem. You're, like, good at every game you touch. Not except every for, game. Except for a balloon fight. fight. Yep. yep, you kicked uh, my butt in that. Balloon that... fight is the worst game ever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that may be, but I still beat Christian. <laughs> oh, that's fine. In my um, opinion, I freaking hate Balloon Fight. <laughs> Although I don't think you're on the show, Christian, when I talked about it, but I did beat you once at Smash mm-hmm. Brothers. Once you did, mm-hmm. you did. Mm-hmm. Very impressive. I think. <laughs> I think the example you're talking about, Mike, is kind of technical competency and just kind of getting the game set up properly. Because in that instance, it sounds like that individual wasn't necessarily, like, they didn't get the technical aspects set up correctly, like the console itself wasn't functioning as intended. So, I mean, in that example, I feel like you're correct in saying that that review probably wasn't valid. But given that, you know, the controller is working properly and their console is working properly, the person could not get past the first level and write a review to some extent, and I could still get some value out of that. Yeah. No, I. Uh, yeah. And I'm it, actually it, in that situation right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah, I am trying to review a uh, Black Sea Odyssey. Oh yeah. Which is a twin stick shoot 'em up. Mm-hmm. And I just, for whatever reason, I cannot wrap my head around the controls. I just can't do it. <laughs> oh no. It's so difficult because you, you know, you control your your little guy with the left stick and then you got to aim with the right stick and you know because it's a shoot 'em up there's 4000 things going on on the screen at the same mm-hmm. time yeah and so i am um, yes i don't know how i'm going to do this one <laughs> i'm have to come have, up with something do you have to have another button to shoot too or is it automatic shoot nope you've got your trigger buttons to shoot and your left one does your regular spear and your right one you have to hold and then launch a um harpoon and okay. then Boy. yeah that's that sounds like that's <laughs> that yeah. actually sounds like that'd be part of the review because and the left stick like if you press it down to zoom you like do what? your turbo boost or whatever or and then oh I, which God. means i keep doing it accidentally yeah that, that <laughs> sounds like it's a flaw a flaw in the game design not a flaw in the gamer like because um, well, i played I twin stick shooters and i mean uh, I don't. I mean, not that I'm very good at them, but I'm I'm okay at them. And I, I. But one thing I always look at is like, all right, do I have to hold a different button <laughs> to shoot? And it sounds like not just a different button, but it sounds like there's. Well, if you want to do this, you have to do this. You have to do this. I know. I think it's because it's a twin stick. You don't get to use the any of the regular the four buttons. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that would be so much easier if I could use buttons to do things. Yeah. Instead of being completely limited to the joysticks and the trigger buttons. Got yeah. It. Yeah. But I think I think what to Christian what Christian was saying is more of like if you can't figure out like how to you know, the beginning of the game where you're not even understanding the controls uh in the beginning, like that to me I think that's different because I think that's a flaw in the game, what you're explaining, Lou. 
versus I don't know what what is one person's flaw versus you yeah. know somebody else's you're just bad at the game yeah. I will tell you it took me forever to get past the tutorial in this game yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know I mean you know going back to can do gamers have to be good at games too um you know I I was playing part of the uh retro uh game brew challenge or the high score games uh uh i i was playing uh zombie my neighbors and i thought i did good (laughs) (laughs) and then i saw all the other people's scores and i'm like i'm not that yeah and that's the thing about that contest is don't ever think you're good (laughs) (laughs) um but i mean yeah but i don't know i mean i understand but you know if i had to review the game obviously i understand the mechanics i understand like what i'm supposed to be doing in the game I feel like I knew enough that if I had to review it, I could review it. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if a game. I, I don't know if a reviewer has to be like really good at the game because I. I feel like you know each person has their own competency on on different games, and each person approaches games differently too. So I don't know. It it doesn't seem like something that I would value. That oh the viewer is not good at it, so I'm not going to give it a high score, or I'm not going to listen to their scores. But I I do think that. Uh, there does come part where the technical competency does play into a part. So, uh, my last question then is just the overall question: Do you think games are game reviews are just propaganda? Just propaganda is that's a big <laughs> statement. <laughs> yeah, I'd say there's a small element of it because the reason. Well, okay, so let me let me take a step back. Um, if you're when companies are are sending out review copies of their game in terms of propaganda, and I, I prefer to use the term advertisement because that's the whole reason they're getting out. They're trying to get word out on their game, sure. Um, so that it's not disappearing among a sea of you know releases that week. Um, so in terms of in terms of that, then yeah, I will agree that it is for that. But that's you know that's part of the advertising game. Yeah, but I, yeah, no, I, I get it. But I think as game journalist too, I feel like I feel like we. I mean, I don't know. I feel like we're fair. I mean, and I, I know they're not. That video's not talking about us. Well, he did say mainstream and critics alike. Which I, I don't know if that means us, but I mean, I do feel like as game journalists, I take that as a as a very important responsibility. And, you know, I'll go back to Fight of, Fight of Gods because that was the lowest game I scored. Uh, and I wrote, I mean, I wanted them on the show. I wanted to interview them, but they didn't have time. But I wrote them really hard questions. They said, send us your questions and we'll answer them as part of an article. I'm like, great. And I asked them really hard questions. Whether or not they answer those questions, I'm not sure. <laughs> but as a game journalist, I wanted to know, like, why, like, what was their intention of the game? So I asked them hard pressing questions and I didn't think that I was, you know, being unfair either. I think these are questions that need to be answered and I wanted to know what their answers were. Hmm. Also helps give you insight on the game that you're reviewing. Exactly. Yeah. I guess specifically with fight of gods, I'd be really interested to hear their answers. Uh, Because if, if I made a game and I felt like my intentions were being lost or, people were misunderstanding i would definitely welcome the opportunity to set things straight if i could yeah mm-hmm. and that's that was my thought too and you know and i i didn't pose it as i found your game offensive what do you think of that it was 
you know, some people have said this game can be, uh, you know, viewed as offensive. Like, what was your intentions of the game? What were, you know, what was the reason you included some characters and you didn't include others? Like, those are the questions I wanted to answer. What Again, whether or not I get answers, I don't know. But uh, as game journalists, I feel like that is our duty to ask those hard-pressing questions. Um, I know, Blue, I mentioned this to you once. <laughs> That I wanted to be the Charlie Rose of a video game, <laughs> but just not Charlie Rose himself. Like, I think he does a good job with interviewing. It just turns out he was, like, that was actually one of my biggest heartbreaks when I found out he was a big jerk. Because uh, I, I really thought <laughs> Charlie Roger. Rose. Was, I know. <laughs> one of my heroes turned out to be, like, the biggest jerk in the world. Uh, but, you know, I do think that I can still take away, like, the way he interviews people and, and you know, his philosophy of asking, like, not easy questions sometimes. I agree. I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on anybody's toes. Does anybody else have any thoughts on if video game reviews are just propaganda? <laughs> I I found it kind of interesting how his main example that he used to try and push that point was Far Cry 5. Yeah. And kind of because the point got kind of muddled by using Far Cry 5. It, was, it wasn't exactly clear the point that he was trying to get across. I think he was trying to say that Far Cry 5 largely reviewed well because it didn't take any particular political stance. And a lot of people um, detracted or like subtracted from their review because it wasn't the story wasn't good, and because of what he said was they weren't seeing their own political ideologies manifest themselves in this video game. But I feel like that's that's not the case given a lot of other politically charged story video games that are out there, like Bioshock, for example, which plenty of people herald as one of the storytelling greats as far as video games are concerned is extremely political and doesn't necessarily depict ideologies that a lot of people would hate on their face taken at face value but because that story gave people things to mull over things to think about it was better because of it whereas far cry 5 it it was very two-dimensional it didn't really give you much to motivate yourself let alone much to think about over its runtime hmm Surely there might be other reasons why a story might not be as engaging aside from politics. Exactly. Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, to say whether game reviews are just propaganda, that's such a black and white statement that you you can't possibly mm -hmm. agree with it. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, to be journalistically critical, it's a bad statement. But I think that there, like most things, there's some truth in that. And there is, we are kind of going through a period of where people are not trusting the large outlets. And mm -hmm. for various reasons. And so I think that it, it's a good question to ask, even if it's a bad question itself. Yeah. Yeah. So listeners, what do you think? We want to know your thoughts. Uh, you can send us a tweet. Oh, Christian, can we do this? Christian, where can people send us a tweet? At GamerHeadsPC. And you can go on Facebook. Dot com slash GamerHeadsPodcast. And you can also send us an email. Where can people send us an email, Christian? Info at GamerHeadsPodcast.com. And then you can also go on our new website, which is GamerHeadsPodcast.com as well, and leave us comments there. So 
Uh, all right. So before we go, why don't we go around and tell people how they can get a hold of us? Starting with you, Christian. How can people get a hold of you? Sure. You can read my reviews on Push Square or NewGameNetwork.com, or else you can uh, feel free to reach me on Twitter at Christian Cubstop. Nice. And Mike, how can people get a hold of you? You can find me on Twitter at TC Throwers. You can also find uh, the Controller Throwers podcast right here on GamerHeadsPodcast.com, uh, as well as you can join us every Tuesday night, 8 o'clock Central Time, at twitch.tv slash TC Throwers. And Blue, how can people get a hold of you? You can almost always find me on Twitter. My handle is at Writer's View, and it's spelled with a Y, so W-R-Y. And then I also have a website, which is writersview.com. And listeners, you can always reach us at Twitter, at GamerHeadsPC, as I mentioned before. That's the easiest way to getting hold of us. So, All right. Uh, well, Christian, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. And Mike, thank you so much for listening and joining us this week. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And Blue, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Roger. And listeners, thank you for giving up another uh, hour, hour and a half of your time and uh, giving us uh, a listen. We really appreciate your, uh, your feedback that you give it to us and your time. So thank you so much. All right, until next week, we'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye. So long. <laughs>